Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Two weeks ago on a Sunday night, does anyone remember? What? No, Home and Auto. We talked about Home and Auto two weeks ago. No, we, uh, we talked about repentance. We used uh, an example of home and auto. I have to go back and listen to it. Uh, but we talked about the subject of repentance. And, and, and as I said that Sunday night, man, I've been, I've been waiting to talk about this for quite a while. And uh, I was so excited to get into it. And um, uh, I've got some more, we've got some more things to look at tonight. And I believe it'll be a blessing to us. Go to uh, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 3, rather. Acts the third chapter. Praise God. We'll endeavor to not talk about home and auto tonight, but it was a good example. We talked about the purpose of the example was you got to know what something is. If so, and to be familiar with something, if you're going to be able to present it well, you got to understand it in your own life. If you're going to present it to somebody else, and so it was a product I used to, when I worked in the mortgage business, that we used to uh, add on to try to add on to loans. Uh, for folks. So anyway, Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And everybody wants times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. If you don't, you just haven't experienced what a real time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord is. Once you get a taste of it, you got to have more. And uh, it comes, says here, we get that by repenting so that we'll be converted and our sins may be blotted out. And so repentance is an important subject. It may be a, a harsh word for some to hear, but it's a blessing. The word repent and repentance is a wonderful thing. And uh, so we started looking at, at this a little bit and um, getting into it. And, and um, the Bible has a lot to say about repentance and a lot to say about the subject of repentance. Uh, we said last time that uh, it's covered in the Old Testament numerous times, repent, repentance. Uh, it's covered numerous times. Uh, repents 22 times in the New Testament, 15 times in the, in the uh, repentant. Repented is 15 times in the New Testament. So it's a subject that's talked about a lot. And uh, it's important to us. And we started talking about we can see the importance of a subject by who talked about it. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Like I said, you can listen uh, to what we did a couple weeks ago uh, to do some catch-up there. If you weren't here with us, um, you can go back and listen to that. But in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, we have uh, uh, talking about John the Baptist here. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying that the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. So John the Baptist had a very important assignment. His ministry was vital. I, I think preparing the way of the Lord is a vital ministry. How I many know we're preparing the way for the Lord, his second return right now? You're a part of that ministry today. It's a vital, it's a vital ministry. And so John the Baptist, he was in the wilderness preaching, and what he said, his message was repent. His message was repent. It was a message of repentance. And so we can tell the importance of it by who is talking about it. So John the Baptist. Uh, go to Mark chapter 1. Like I said, we're not going to do a lot of review tonight. You can listen to the other message. Um, uh, we want to finish up or get as close to that as we can tonight. Mark chapter 1, we're going to look in verses 12 through 15. Praise the Lord. This is right after Jesus was baptized when the uh, Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Of course, he went into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Then he returned in victory and uh, began his ministry. But it says in Mark 11, verse 12, Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with all the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Verse 14, Now, after John was put into prison, G Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What? Repent and believe in the gospel. 
Repent and believe in the gospel. Matthew chapter uh, 4 verse 17 says, From that time, from the beginning of his earthly ministry, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He began to do that. It means it continued. This was a part of Jesus' ministry. He talked to, His ministry was a ministry of, of repentance. His message was a message of repentance. And how many tell, No, he's still saying repent today. He's still speaking a message of repentance, even in the day we're living in. Amen. And so we, last time we were talking, and I just want to make a couple comments. You know, uh, we, we kind of got into a, a little bit of a side journey, and I'm just going to deal with that just for a second. Start talking about the importance of uh, uh, not being pressured to just go along with everything. And, and, the, and the importance of the fact that uh, this message ought to be something that we are, we're embracing for ourselves. You know, the, the message of repentance shouldn't scare us. The word repent shouldn't be a dirty word. Repentance shouldn't be a dirty, a dirty word or a bad thing. It's a good thing. Thank God for the opportunity to repent. You realize there are untold numbers of people who are in a position where they cannot repent. You know what I'm talking about? They no longer have the opportunity to do any repenting. Their decision's been made, their life's been lived, and there's no repentance available for them. It's not possible at this point. They've passed their opportunity. We have an opportunity to repent. On a daily basis, if need be. Amen. And so that's a wonderful thing. So we have to embrace it. But then we also have got to be willing to be bold to, to have a word and a, and a message of repentance. We said last time that your life is preaching something. And part of that should be a message of repentance. It shouldn't just be about the blessings of the Lord, which we love the blessings of God. It shouldn't just be about this or that. The, the, the message of repentance should be preached by our lives, by how we live, but also by the things we say, the stand that we take. And, uh, you know, there's pressure for us to, to sit back and to be quiet and just to mind our own business and just stay out of people's business and, and leave people alone. There's pressure to do that. I know we've all experienced it. And, you know, I talked about, you know, when, uh, before... You know, when I was working uh, for Citibank, worked for a mortgage company, that's how Home and Auto came up. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of times conversations would be going on, happening in the office, things were happening. And you all know what I'm talking about. If you go anywhere, it happens in, in our office here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so conversations were going on about all kinds of crazy things. The joke is I work here at the church. But anyway, uh, we don't have these crazy conversations here. But there we had lots of conversations and, and things were being said and being talked about. And, and uh, you know... Uh, it's easy to just kind of go along. It's easy to sometimes even agree. You know, sometimes you can, you can just agree by the way you handle conversations. It comes across as though that you're, you're okay with stuff. You know, uh, people say, well, God was loving. Jesus was loving. Yes, Jesus was loving, but that doesn't mean he just went along with everything. It didn't mean that he just endorsed everything. There's this idea today that Jesus was loving, which means he was accepting of everybody. No, he wasn't. Was, was kind of quiet when I said that. You, he was not accepting of everybody. He didn't just say, well, you know, whatever you believe. He, Jesus never had a your truth message. Well, if that's your truth, and he never talked like that. that. Those kind of discussions never happen. It's either right or it isn't. There's right and then there's wrong and, and there's no in between. There's got to be a pl- place in our lives we come to where there's no ambiguity anymore. It's either black or white. And until we treat God's word and we treat what he says and how God views things as black and white, we're going to struggle. And that may seem, that may seem like that's, that's close. Some people may say that's closed minded and well, so be it. I guess I'll be closed minded if that's what it requires, because either it is or it isn't for me to, for me to, to start entertaining ideas that, you know, it, the, it, well, he could anything that the sky isn't blue, that the skies, I, I like to say, you know, yellow, purple polka dots. Well, no, it's not. It's well, I feel like it is. Well, no, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, it, it is what it is. And, and. And there's pressure sometimes to go along and people say, well, God was loving, which means he was all accepting. No, he wasn't. He took a stand on things and we've got to be willing to take a stand on things as well. You know, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And we can't run from things because we're afraid that people may not like us. Now, I know about you, but I'm a people person. In case you didn't know it, I'm a people person. I, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I'm a, I'm a, I love people. I like being around people and by, by means, by, by just by you know, just, I guess the result of that is I like to be liked. You know, there's some people who just don't care if people like them or not. You may, you know, anybody like that? We probably all know, oh, you're pointing at your mom. You better watch out girl. She may not like you anyway. Um, there's just some people who just don't care, but even then you want people to like you. You want certain people to like you. 
Oh, she's not even sure about that. All right. You got to tread lightly with Veronica. But she won't care if you do or not. But anyway, um, I like people to like me. And, I, and, I, and, and I'm not just the type of person that just runs to try to jump in the middle of things. I, that's not my personality. You know, I'm, that's just not me. But, but uh, there's a lot of times there's pressure. If you're going to be liked, if you're going to be accepted, you just have to go along. Well, we just can't, we just can't necessarily do that. And like I said, that pressure is there. So we've got to be willing to take a stand and, and, and at times have people not approve of us. It, it's going to be required in order. Jesus had to be willing for people to not like him. A lot of people didn't like Jesus. In fact, most people didn't like Jesus. In fact, most places he went, people of importance that you would say were the, the people who mattered I mean, when when the people that other people judge as the ones who matter, really a lot of times don't matter, but they think they matter and society says they matter. And, uh, but a lot of times the people who quote unquote mattered, they didn't like Jesus very much. He was a threat to them. And, and you have to understand if you're going to take a stand on these things that you're a threat to people's lives. And if people are in darkness, they just don't know the truth. You have to remember, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And uh, the Bible says that the enemy has people's eyes blinded from the truth. And, and you have to just recognize that people, people, people need Jesus. You know, when I, I was thinking about this afterward, I thought, you know, I, I hope after what I said last week, uh, people don't take it too far and, and think, well, that's right, I'm going to take a stand. And, and we want to be enthusiastic about things, but we can go too far where we kind of adopt a position of God's fly swatter, so to speak. Like we're going to be or go around and we're going to be the repentance cops. You know, you shouldn't do that. You should repent. Shouldn't do that. You should repent. You, you know, that's not wise. Uh, you know, I said uh, of the example in my office, if you remember, I said, most times I kept my mouth shut. Most times I didn't say anything. I kept my mouth shut. I minded my own business because they weren't talking to me. And even if they were talking at me or around me, if it didn't apply to me, I was busy doing my thing. But most of the time I kept my mouth shut, but I paid attention. There were times when I did speak up, but when we take a stand and how we do things, we've got to be led by the spirit. You have to be led by the spirit. There, there's a lot of things involved in that. You know, you can't be people's conscience for them. If a person won't listen to their conscience, they most likely won't listen to your correction either. And, and so just blurting things out there, just to be blurting things out there will close doors for you where you might have an opportunity later. Jesus kept his mouth shut a lot of times too, but there were times where the spirit of God prompted him and the Holy spirit directed him. And he spoke up and said things like you're of your father, the devil, which were hard to hear, but it was, it was by the spirit of God. If Jesus said it, it was right. Jesus didn't just have a bad day and just, he wasn't just tired of him on that, on that Tuesday afternoon and just decided to give him what for. He was prompted to say something that was hard for them to hear. They needed to hear it. Well, we've got to be sensitive to the spirit of God when he wants us to say something and to speak up. You need to speak up. And repentance is part of it. People have got to know that wrong is wrong, right is right, and there, there needs to be adjustments made in our lives. The things need to be done. People have got to be told these things. I would say two things to always remember. Uh, well, the main thing I'd say to remember when you're doing this, uh, remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. I remember where some of you came from. Now, I got born again when I was, I can't even remember. I, remember I, I do remember getting filled with the Holy Spirit at five. We were sitting on the couch. I mean, we had this ugly, weird-colored fabric, cush, you know, couch. You remember the 80s furniture? Well, anyway. Oh, terrible. Anyway, I still remember, you know, this weird brownish color thing. We, and dad came home from Bible school and we're sitting on the couch, Steve and I, and he talked to us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we both got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. I remember that at five. But I'll be honest with you, since that day, five years old to now, I've missed it a lot of times. I don't know. I know that's a shock to you, right? Really? Yeah, I've, I've missed it a bunch. I've, I've, I've done things, said things, reacted the wrong way, caught an attitude. I mean, Y'all look really holy out there. No one, no one's been like that. Anybody here when you got saved, like you never missed it again. I mean, like you've been perfect ever. Let me see your hands. Anybody have any liars in the house? No. Okay. So no, we've all, we've all made these things. And oftentimes we remember when you person gets, maybe gets born again later in life, they make a commitment to the Lord, but they still have flesh to deal with. And they have to retrain the way you think. When a person gets saved, they're made new on the inside. But the, the mind, you've got to do something with your mind. You've got to change the way you think. 
And, and it's important when we're dealing with people to remember they're not all where we, where we are. We don't look down on people. When I say about being bold, I'm not saying about looking down on them. I'm, I'm talking about being bold to speak when the Spirit of God prompts you to give them the truth that they need to come out of those situations. But do it in love and do it with compassion being led by the Spirit of God. Because if it weren't for the grace of God, you'd be in the same spot. So I didn't want anybody coming out of, you know, that, that last time talking like, all right, I'm going to go around. I'm going to start telling everybody I see who's, who's not doing it right that I'm going to start correcting. That's not, that's not at all what I said. But we've got to be bold to, 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 to have a message of repentance in our life. Sometimes the best message you have is talking about your own experience. You know, somebody asked you what happened at church. Maybe this morning. What, what, was, what did they talk about at church? Well, Pastor Greg was talking about finances. And I saw an area in my life where I needed to repent. And people are like, people are like oh, well, I don't know if I needed to repent. Well, we'll talk about what repentance is. We, we need to repent more often than we realize we need to repent. And to think that we don't need to repent, that we're saying that we didn't need Jesus' ministry. To say that we no longer need to repent, we've got it all figured. That's to say that we've arrived and we have, we have it all figured out and we're walking in complete light that there is. None of us would, would say that. Well, there are times, there are things that come up we need to repent about. And even, even opening the doors of conversation sometimes will be, well, you know, you know, it's interesting you said that. The Lord showed me something this week and, you know, I saw something reading God's word. You, you don't want to use a lot of Christianese words with people, but, you know, I was reading the word of God, reading my Bible, and I saw something and I'm like, man, I need to make that adjustment. So I repented and, and I made a change and I dealt with it. You, you, what are you doing? You are living that in front of people. You know, when you live that in front of people, it makes it a whole lot easier for people to hear those things from you as well. But if you walk around like this, you know everything, it makes it more difficult. And you also want to, you want to use, you want to, you want to sweeten your words, right? And, and the wise words of Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? Anybody know that? You know, Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps. Yeah, we, many of us can probably sing it. A spoonful of sugar can help the medicine. And so, you know, we want to make sure we are flavoring things the right way. Be, learn to be tactful when you're dealing with, you can deal with things and yet be tactful, but it, it's also a danger to be so sweet that all you do is give somebody a good case of spiritual diabetes with your, you know, your, 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 uh, your correction there. You, you, you created another problem. So we want to be wise. The biggest thing is be led by the spirit of God and let the law of love direct you. Love will cause you to speak up when the time is right. If you love somebody, you'll be honest with them. If you love somebody, you'll speak the truth. When they ask you a question, you won't shy away from it. You say, well, the Bible says this, and I believe it. Well, if they, what if they ask me why? What if they have all these ideas? All you got to say is, you know, if you don't know, just say, well, all I know is the Word of God says this. The Bible says this, and I believe that to be true. And, and this is how his, his Word has worked in other areas of my life. So I just trust God. God will use you. Amen. So we can tell the importance of a subject by who talked about it. John the Baptist talked about uh, a ministry of repentance. Jesus had a ministry of repentance. Go over to Acts chapter 2. Acts, the second chapter. Thank God for repentance. Acts chapter 2, we'll look here in the 38th verse. It says, then Peter said to them, what? Repent. There's pages still turning. I'll wait till you get there. Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, this was on the day of Pentecost, this is in the middle of his first message, the church is officially underway, empowered by the Spirit of God to, to fulfill their work, this is his first message. Peter said to them, to who? Those who are listening, what? Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the church started, John the Baptist led into Jesus, Jesus' arrival with a message of repentance. Jesus, while he was here, had a message of repentance. The church started with a message of repentance. There is a heavy push in the church to not talk about repentance. It's a heavy push, but we've got to make sure that we're staying true to our message, the message of our, of our day. You cannot have faith to be saved without repentance said you cannot have faith to be saved without having repentance. Is it important? Absolutely, because you can't be born again without it. 
One person wrote this, said, repentance is the birth canal through which people must pass to enter into the kingdom of God. Repentance is that birth canal that you must enter or pass through to enter into the kingdom of God. Paul in Acts, I'll just read this to you. And Paul in in, uh, Acts 17 verse 30, he says, Truly, these times of ignorance God ignored, but now commands all men, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. So in our day, in our hour, in this dispensation that we're living in, the time we're in now, this is a command of God for all men everywhere to repent. God expects people to repent. And if people won't repent, then, then if, if they maintain a, an unwillingness to repent, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Just can't. And so we, and, and, and if we're going to see the kingdom of God show up in our lives, now we're, if you've accepted Christ, you're born again, but how many know we can experience different levels of the kingdom of God in, in, in working in our lives? Well, it's going to require repentance for these things to happen. You know, I've been talking about finances on, on, on t- this morning and we were picking up a series from April and, and May. Well, there are things where people, even in our own church, need to, to repent of and, and in order if they're going to see that reality show up in their, in their lives. Well, we've got to do this. This is the command. This is the message of the day. Um, we're going to look at exactly what repentance is in just a minute. But um, I want to look at this scripture, at Hebrews chapter 5. Still laying a little bit of a foundation to it. This is going to be real simple once we get there. And most of you are going to say, ah, I knew that already. Um, but it, it'll help confirm some things for you. And we want to get into in a minute what repentance is, what it isn't, so you can see it in yourself, which is important. Ever thought you were, we'll, we'll look at it. I'm sure you'll, you'll look back in times you thought you were repentant and you really weren't. Uh, but you can recognize what it is and then what it isn't, but also help us recognize it in others. It's important. But Hebrews chapter 5, we'll start in verse 12. We're going to read uh, on through the end of the chapter. It says, For through this, or, uh, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now notice he said once again, he said that you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Verse 13, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of a full age, those who are mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, verse 1 in chapter 6 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. Notice he's using some of the same elemental principles of Christ. And that let us uh, move on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of what? Of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, the doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. But he talks about specific things that are foundational truths. They're foundational truths uh, uh, of our faith. They're found, they're, they are key major issues in our life. One, the first one he mentions is uh, repentance from dead works. Two, faith towards God. Three, doctrine of baptisms. Four, laying on of hands. Uh, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. And he said, these are things we need to make sure we have these things well established in our life. Is, are, are these principles, these foundations? Because this is what your life's going to be built on. This is what you're, these are things that you're going to, and when you have a foundation, that's, that gives you the structure, the, the, the base that you build everything else upon. And so these are things that give you a solid foundation in life. But notice he talked about that repentance is one of those foundational things. Are Christians supposed to repent? Are Christians supposed to repent? And when I ask that question, I want, to, I want us to internalize this. Are we supposed to repent? Yeah, we're supposed to repent. Um, in the book of Revelation, there are seven letters to the seven churches. And I've been looking at these a lot here lately. And I just want to look at uh, a few of these. Not, we're not going to look at all seven. But um, in this group, you have these seven churches. Five of them, uh, Jesus told them to repent of something. All of them had their good points. The church in Sardis didn't have anything. Jesus didn't have anything good to say to them at all. But um, he had something good to say to each of them, but then he had things that he wasn't happy with, things that he wanted them to deal with. 
And there were two churches, Philadelphia and uh, Smyrna, that uh, were doing great. And he just had words of encouragement for them. But I want to read these to you in Revelation chapter 2. If you want to turn there, you can look at it. I just want you to see this. This is when Jesus appeared to uh, uh, the Apostle John. He didn't appear as just... He, he, this, was a, this was a change for the Apostle John. When Jesus appeared to him, John, John was the one that was closest to the Lord. He's the one that the Lord loved. And he had, a, he, had a, he had a different relationship with Jesus. Well, when Jesus appeared to him, when this was written... This was, he had a totally new outlook on who Jesus was. He, he appeared to him in his power and his majesty. Uh, it, and yes, it was, he was full of love, but at the same time, he was also, he was the risen king at this point. But in Revelation 2, 5, he says, Remember, therefore, from when you have fallen, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, the loveless church. He said, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So to this church, this, this, warn, this word of warning, now I mean, we know these were the seven actual churches. They were all in Asia Minor. Uh, the church in Ephesus was the main, the home church there. And, and it was a circular pattern that, that went around. There was a road that went through all these churches. And, and these were churches that um, uh, uh, were key in that region. And so we know they're specific churches, but they're still written to, to the body of Christ today. They're still written to us. And he was talking to this church because they had lost their love for God. You know, there are many who've lost their love for the Lord. And uh, they were doing a lot of things and, and busy doing this and busy doing that, but he said they'd lost their first love. And so he said, repent and do the first works or else. I don't know about you, but that's not something I like hearing. I don't like or else's, especially not from God. I don't want to hear, I don't want him to appear to me tonight and say, hey, Greg, I need you to do this or else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond pretty quick. But he said, remember, he said, where you fall and repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So we can see there, Jesus was placing an emphasis on repent. Go to uh, the 16th uh, verse in, in uh, Revelation 2. He's talking to the church at Pergamos. That's the compromising church. He said, repent or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my word. I don't want the Lord fighting against me. I mean, that, that's, a, that's an or else going, that's really going the wrong direction. And now that, that's a bad or else right there. But he said, repent. Or, or something is going to happen if you don't. Go to Revelation. You're there in the second chapter. Go to verse 21. This is to the church at Tyrathea, the corrupt church. They had this woman that had showed up in their church, was teaching things. She was uh, seducing people to, to live immorally. And, uh, and they said that I gave her Jezebel time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into the sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Notice there is a, there's a contingency based on their repenting. Do you think repentance was important to this group? Repentance was a big deal for them. Uh, Revelations chapter three, the third verse. This is the church of Sardis. Uh, this was the dead church. Terrible, terrible name. Uh, the dead church, he said, remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Once again, he was saying, repent or something's going to happen. Now people can see this as a negative thing. Like, oh, he was threatening them. This is love. This is actually, this is, this is love right here. I mean, he could, have, he could have skipped over all of these things. He didn't have to tell John. He didn't do this to scare these churches. He didn't say this to, to upset them or get them riled up. This is, this is the love of God reaching out. Why? Because they still have an opportunity to repent. And he's wanting to avoid the or else. He's wanting to avoid uh, uh, the consequence. He's wanting them to avoid the consequences of their sin. And so he's saying, you have to do something. Repent. Go to, you're there in the third chapter. Go to the 19th verse. This is uh, the church at Laodicea. This is the lukewarm church. Uh, Revelation 3, 19, it says, And many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So even at the beginning of, of, of Jesus' ministry, the things he said when he preached, and he, came, he said, repent for the, day, the kingdom of, the, of God is at hand. Paul, uh, Peter got up and his first message was a message of repentance. Paul said, God commands everyone everywhere to repent. Jesus' last words. Words that he gave to, after he had already ascended, he, he gave to John for, this is for our generation. 
These are words for our time that we live in to his people. These are not words to the world. These are words to believers. And the word was to repent. So repentance is an important thing. Christians are supposed to repent. Was the act of repenting important for the believers in these churches? Absolutely. Well, should, be, should repenting be important to you and I? Absolutely. Like I said before, if we're honest, we're, we're, there's not a one of us here who's walking in the light. 100% in the light that we have or that we should have. You know, Keith Moore said something uh, uh, a while ago and it really stuck with me. He said, you know, you, you, he, was about, he was in the middle of a series of meetings and he thanked everybody for coming back. And, and uh, I think it was a couple years ago. And he said, yeah, I appreciate you coming back. He said, uh, he said you know, he said, and he, he said, there are people that, he said, that should have been here. And he said, uh, they chose not to be here tonight. He said, they'll be accountable for the things they should have heard. Had they been here and said, people say, well, I didn't, because, you know, we're accountable for the things that we know, the things that we've heard. He said, there's people that should have been here, that the Lord told to be here, and they decided not to come, so they didn't hear it. But the fact that they didn't hear it didn't mean that they, they're free from that. They were supposed to have been there. The Lord will require them for the knowledge that they should have had. Well, we've all, we're all guilty. Would you, would you agree? We're probably all guilty in some areas of not walking in the light we have or not walking in the light we should have because maybe we tuned out. Or didn't show up, you know? And so we want to make sure we're, we're watching these things. As a Christian, your relationship with God begins in repentance and will continue in repentance for the rest of your life. Although you don't continually repent to be saved, you do regularly repent to, be self, to self-correct when the Holy Spirit convicts you of wrong thinking or behavior. Let me read that again. As a Christian, your relationship with God begins in repentance and will continue in repentance for the rest of your life. Although you don't continually repent to be saved, you do regularly repent to self-correct when the Holy Spirit convicts you of wrong thinking or behavior. We have one person that Steve and I know that he said this. He said, the closer you get to God, the more you need to repent. The, more you, the closer you get to him, the more you need to repent. Why? Because the closer you get to him, the more you see in your life that doesn't line up. And that's, that's not a negative thing. That's a wonderful thing. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we get this opportunity. And like I said before, you know, the word repent can almost be a dirty word in some of our, in the culture today, things that we have. You know, there is, look at, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look, let's look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to get to what repentance is. I want you to be excited about repentance. I want you to be excited about it as, as I'm excited about it. It's a blessing. Pastor Gray, you're going to have to preach harder if I'm going to get there. Well, I trust the word will get to you. This is a blessing. Like I, I, I keep going back to repentance is great because that means I have an opportunity to do it. There's nothing worse than and to get somewhere and to realize you could have had something and now it's too late. You know, we've all heard that story of, of the guy who took the, the, took the ocean liner, you know, the old story. And I don't remember all the details exactly, but he took an ocean liner. He saved up all of his money to buy this ticket to go across the ocean. It wasn't the Titanic. It was one that made it, you know. And so he, he saved up all his money to go and he just scrimped and saved and, and did all this and bought a ticket. And, and so he got on the boat and, and he was just so happy to be on the boat, so excited to be there. Well, he, he packed some food and did some things because he didn't have any money for food because he, he bought this crazy ticket. It was so expensive. And so he, he saved up all, he got some food, ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He was eating Oscar Mayer hot dogs, you know. He's, he's eating, you know, ramen noodles, cooking it in the microwave in the stateroom. And he's, he's doing everything he can. He just, just barely getting by, but he's so happy to be there. Well, then he, the, the cruise comes an end and the captain's at the end of the boat and he's, he's, the captain's, you know, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. And this man comes, he says, Hey, who, who are you? I didn't see you on the, on the trip. Where, who are you? He said, Oh, I've been here. He said, I bought my ticket. I, I've been staying in my room and walking around. He said, well, why didn't you come to eat the meals? He said, well, you know, I didn't have money for that. I, I, I just bought my ticket. And so I've been eating in my stateroom and eating my rice aroni and all of those things. And he said, well, didn't you know the, the food was included in the price of the ticket? Isn't that a terrible place to be in? I would have rather have just not known, right? I mean, you know, I would have rather just, I'd have, I'd have suddenly gone from my cruise was great to now that was the worst cruise ever. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I think this is a great thing because the people who've lost their opportunity, not because of God, but by their own decisions, they're fully aware that they could have repented. 
And maybe it's just me. I've done things before that were really stupid. I know y'all have never done that. You know, I was thinking today, when I started the series on money, remember I had, the, I had the, the cast thing. You know, the first week I was normal PG, and the next week I was all beat up from, you know, breaking a thumb, you know, and, and, and all that. Yeah, I've done things that I thought, boy, that was really dumb. It's dumb to not repent. It's a silly thing to not be excited about repentance. We've all done dumb things, and thank God we have the opportunity to repent. First Corinthians chapter, or First Timothy rather, chapter four. This is Paul writing here to Timothy. He says, "Now the Spirit expressly says that the margin of my Bible says explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There has been and is an attack on the subject of repentance, and it's a doctrine of demons. Hundred percent, it's a doctrine of demons." Well, then it always leads into what about confessing our sins? That's also a doctrine of demons that's been out there. Because it's attacking one of the foundations, the fundamental principles of our faith, the repentance from dead works. Part of repentance is confessing those things. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if, if, we'll, if we sin, he's faithful and just to, if we'll confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Hebrews says, you know, to, to, to repent to one another so that your sins may be blotted out. Right? Well, repentance is an important thing. Well, there's an attack on these areas. Thank God we get to repent. What is, repent, what it, what is it to repent or to be in repentance? I'm glad you asked. Go back to Acts chapter 3. Acts the third chapter. Is this all right? Praise God. Acts chapter 3. What is it to repent or to be in repentance? You need to know it. Need to know what it is. You can look at your life and say, "Hey, am I am I walking in repentance? Are there areas that I need that I thought I repented in, but I really didn't?" Need to know. Acts chapter three. We'll look in verse nineteen again. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now that that word uh, repent there is the Greek word and. You have to forgive my pronunciation. Metataneo. Metaneo. M-E-T-A-N-O-N-E. Or O-E-O. M-A-T-A-N-O-E-O. I can't even say it right. It's hard to even put the letters out there. Metaneo. And it simply means to change one's mind, to change, uh, to repent, to change one's mind for better, heartily to amend with abhorrence one's past sins. So he says, repent to change your mind, to, to uh, change one's mind, heartily amend, uh, make, uh, amend with abhorrence for one's past sins so that you're, you may be converted and your sins may be blotted out. So go to Hebrews chapter 6. That's the word repent, metataneo. So it's a changing of one, one's mind. Hebrews the 6th chapter. Like I said, these are simple things and you might know this, but sometimes we get confused on what something really is and what it isn't. We've got some good examples I'm going to read if we have time that I, that I think will be really helpful for us. In Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 1, it says, Therefore, laying the discussion of the elemental principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. We've read this scripture already as well. This is the word repentance, and it's the Greek word meta, metanoia, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. Like I said this morning, I'm not a Greek scholar, nor have I played one on TV, but I can read. And so this, the meaning of this word is, uh, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, well, it's, it's a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of, of a purpose he has formed or of something he has done. It's a change of mind. It's a change of position. And, uh, one Greek scholar put it this way. He said of the Greek word repent, metatheneo, Metaneo says, pictures a change of mind that results in a complete, radical, total change of behavior. A decision to completely change or to entirely turn around in one's way of thinking, believing, or living. A decision to change one's thinking, believing, or actions. A decision to completely change or entirely turn around in the way one is thinking, believing, or living. A total transformation affecting every part of a person's life both inside and outside, resulting in a behavioral change. 
It's a lot of words. Let me read it again. His, his breakdown in the Greek pictures, it's pic, this word metaneo, pictures of change of mind, a change of mind that results in a complete, radical, total change of behavior. A decision to completely change or entirely turn away, or turn around in a way, in the way one is thinking, believing, or living. A decision to change one's thinking, believing, or actions. A decision to completely change or entirely turn around in the way one is thinking, believing, or living. A total transformation affecting every part of a person's life, both inside and outside, resulting in behavioral change. So can you see there's a lot of words there, but one of the things you keep saying, it's a decision. It's a decision to not just change your mind, but it's a change in mind. You can change your mind, but not change the way you live. But this kind of change of mind that repent and repentance is speaking of is a change in the way you think and believe that causes you to do things differently. It's when you touch the hot stove And you're like, man, I'm sorry I did that, right? I'm not going to do it again. That would be repenting. It's not just a spiritual word. That would be repenting of what you just did. I've repented of doing stupid things on my skateboard. But you might not think some of them, anyway, some things I may not think are stupid that you might think. So I've got to, anyway, so hopefully I won't break anything again. But we, you have a change of mind. You make a decision to do something, to change the way you think, believe, and it results in changing the way you act. It's real simple, but there's a lot of repenting that goes on that is a, it's a change of thinking, but not a change of action. Not a total transformation of how someone approaches that situation. What is what what repentance is not? Did you notice something that was lacking in all of those descriptions, the Greek words of, of what that was and that synopsis? Do you, do you do you recognize anything that was lacking there? Anybody? Somebody somebody give me an answer. Something that you would have thought would have been in there that isn't in there. This is important. Emotion. Now, I want you to think about it because a lot of times people think about repent and repentance and, and to think it, they think it's to be real or not. It's got to be emotional. Repentance is not necessarily an emotional thing. It's a decision. It's a choice. When a person gets born again, is it always emotional? No, it's not emotional, but it's a decision. When a person makes a decision to accept the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is it emotional? Sometimes people cry. Sometimes people don't. Can be, can't be. The emotion isn't the thing that means it was real or not. It was the decision that was made. And then the definition of this word means it wasn't just a decision. It was a decision that changed how you did things. See, a lot of times people, there are things the Lord deals with them on and they repent. But it's not a, it's not a decision and a choice to completely turn from something and to com- radically change their life. And the way they thought, the way they believed, the way they responded. Sometimes people feel like if I get a good cry over something, that I did something. A good cry doesn't necessarily mean somebody repented. And it's important because, have you ever been there before where the Lord dealt with you and it really, it really, it was hard to hear and, and you got emotional over it. Or something happened that came up, somebody had to say, hey, listen, this thing you did was, and it, and it bothered you. And you got emotional about it. That doesn't necessarily you mean, you mean you repented. But it also doesn't necessarily mean somebody didn't repent if they didn't get emotional. This is important because in our own lives, we got to know. I, I was watching a, a, an example. I was watching a, 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 a we, back when we were in Jacksonville, we took our, the teenagers there. This was probably 2000, 2001. There was like a, a big citywide you know, youth rally was going on. So we took our teenagers there and there was this video that they showed. I looked for this video. I looked everywhere to try to find this video. I, I guess maybe they made it. I don't know, but it was really well done. And I thought, I thought for sure I could find it. I've never been able to find it. I've looked many times over the years, never been able to find it. It was, it was a, it was a, a dramatization of a, a, a young man, a teenager walking with his granddad in the woods. And the granddad had a cane and they're walking and 
walking along and, and they're talking about life and, you know, it was a nice, pretty autumn day. And, and the grandfather just took that cane and just whacked that kid in the back of the head. And the kid's like, oh, granddad, what, what did you do that for? He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, I am so sorry. I can't believe I did. I'm so sorry. And the kid's like, that's okay, granddad. I, I forgive you. I forgive you. They walk a little further. Granddad gets this crazy look in his eye and he just whacks the kid in the back of the head again. He's like, ow. He's like, he said, Granddad, what was that for? I don't know. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He said, oh, I feel so terrible. I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that. I'm sorry. And the kid's like, okay, stop. That hurt. They walk a little further and the, and the granddad gets a crazy look in his eye and he whacks him one more time. He's like, Granddad, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just heartbroken. I can't believe it. How many know that is not repentance? Have you or I, I've been guilty of it. I'll be honest. Have you ever been guilty of repenting and it really bothering you? And yet you walked a little further and that thing, whatever it was, that walking stick got a hold of you, you know, and you just couldn't refuse giving the good old whack upside the head. Well, we have to recognize what this is in our life, but also in others. It's an important thing. It's 820. Man, I've got, I've got three really, really great examples of this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7, 10. Man. Second Corinthians 7, 10. People say, well, what about godly sorrow? That sounds emotional. Well, let's look at it. For godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians 7, 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the, but the sorrow of the world produces death. The Amplified says, for godly grief and the, pain God, and the pain God is permitted to direct produce a repentance that leads and contributes to salvation and deliverance from evil. And it never brings regret, but worldly grief, the hopeless sorrow that is characteristic in the pagan world, is deadly, breeding and ending in death. So so he writes here that there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. It doesn't talk about emotion at all. Emotion's never discussed in it. But a godly sorrow, regret, causes repentance, which is a change. Mind, the way you think, the way you believe, and then the way you act, the way you respond. Whereas worldly sorrow does not do that. It produces death. I have uh, three wonderful examples. It's 820. Mm-mm-mm. How long have I been up here, do you know? F- you said 50 minutes? Has it been 50 minutes? Oh, Brad is counting me down tonight. <laughs> it's really been 50 minutes, my goodness. Oh, that's hey, I'm just messing with you. I'm glad you knew. I, I, I have a note up here. Watch the clock. I put this sticky note up here every time, and I never do it. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> no, you did good. I appreciate it. It was 50 minutes. I'm just harassed. You know, that's my love language is, the love, is harassment. So it's the sixth love language is the harassment. It's going, it's going to take me a while to finish. We'll, we'll finish another time. Let's all stand up. we got next week. <laughs> these, three, these three examples are so good. I don't want to rush through them. We're going to look at Judas. We're going to look at Esau. And then we're going to look at an account in, 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 the, in, the, uh, in the early church of an entire region. And there are three great, great examples that really, and one of these examples really used to bother me. Before I understood really what, I, what this was, it used to really bother me when I read it. I'll just give you a sneak peek, the, the account of, of Esau. Anybody, anybody ever that in Hebrews ever bothered anybody? Read in, 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 in Hebrews that Esau sought for repentance, but he couldn't find it. Anybody but me? Oh, yeah, they used to bother me. Like, oh, I don't, I don't like that one at all. But I used to tell that years ago, I told the story. I remember Miss Iris, I know, knows this. My teenage years, you know, I was always afraid that I missed the rapture. 
Anybody been there before? You know, I'd, I'd committed these things and done these wrongs and I was afraid, oh Lord, you know, I remember this one time I came home after school and our house was dark and the curtains were drawn, you know, in the house, our house had like a bazillion trees all around it. And, and, uh, I came home and there's nobody there. And so I would always call, you know, call the office, you know, down here and we lived right across from school. And so I would call the office and just see what they were doing. Just let them know, hey, I'm home. And so anyway, I, I called the office and it just rang and rang and rang and nobody answered. And so this was pre cell phone days. And so I called the office again and nobody answered. And I, and I, and I went outside had some neighbors that were believers and nobody's home and which they were never home that time of day, but suddenly they're not home. And so I'm like, Oh man, you having these thoughts like, Oh, I've, I've committed the, oh, what if the rapture happened? And, and I didn't make it. I, you know, I couldn't, I, I didn't, I didn't live. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't repent of my sins. I didn't make it. So no, anybody ever had thoughts like that? We were, so we're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Greg. Never sinned a day in my life. <laughs> and so I remember one day this happened. I came home, nobody saw him, nobody answered the phone. I'm like, I thought, what, what am I going to do? I got, I, got, I got to have relief. I got to know what's going on. So I picked up the phone. I, saw, I thought, if Sister Iris is home, I'm good. <laughs> so I picked up the phone. I'm glad you weren't working that day. You were home because had you not answered, I'm, who knows what I would have done. But I picked up the phone and I, I dialed the old days rotary, dialed the number, you know. And I, I picked, I got the phone, ring, ring, ring. And, and after a few rings, I hear a hello. I just hung it up. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Said I'm good. I just hung that phone up. I went and got me a big bowl of ice cream. I'm all right. I'm still. I'm still good. <laughs> but that scripture in Hebrews used to bother me. He 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 sought for repentance and couldn't find it. Well, if he couldn't find it, what makes me think I found it? We need to know what this is. You know, the devil's a jerk. He he is a tormentor. It's who he is. And, and for our sakes, we need to know what these things are, how this works, and recognize what was that all about. We'll look at it. It'll be good. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Jesus, we honor you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to repent. Hallelujah. Thank you for the message of repentance. Thank you, Lord, that we can, we can, we can make adjustments in our life, not just change our minds, but totally change the way we think, the way we believe, and the way we act, Father. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, help us. I continue to ask for myself, if there's areas, which I know they are, as I get closer to you, there's things that I'll see. Father, help me see areas where I need to make a change, where I need to repent. Father, I know that when I do, times of refreshing will come to me in my life. Father, I thank you for that tonight in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.